Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then move my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. Today on In a Mississippi Minute, through his talents, reconfirms why Mississippi is art. He's known by critics and fans alike as one of the greatest piano players around the globe. And he's truly our very own. From Mississippi to Carnegie Hall. In his world, that says it all. Excited about having pianist, Arthur, colorist, and my pal on the show today, Bruce Levingston. Hey, Bruce, what's up? Hey, Steve. Great to talk to you. Are you in, uh, are you in parts of Oxford, Mississippi right now? Uh, I'm in Oxford now. Yes. <laughs> And are you are you in Greenville? I am. So we're not, you know, two hours twenty minutes. I, I I've got the road to you in my head right now. I I got it sort of uh, sort of the back of my hand. I know that drive, so uh, that's good. And that's I appreciate right. you taking well, you know, the time. I was born in Greenville, so I know, I know, I know this. We're going to talk about like all that. I want to dig into that right now. So, uh, Bruce, uh, it's amazing. I started thinking about the time you put in. Uh, to be as great as you are. I think about great musicians. I've played with so many. And I always wanted to write songs. And, and I got good enough on guitar. And then as I got older, I got a little better. But nothing like some of the guys that I've played with. And you're one of those guys that, uh, that just spent all this time doing that. And like, obviously writing and performing and all that. But just the, the ability to become a great pianist or anything at any instrument that you know that someone spends time on tell take me back to you as a kid i've got to understand the time you put in and when did it start you know when i was a little boy i was hearing so much music in the delta it's just a place where everywhere you went there was something going on and it it wasn't just one kind uh, there, there was uh you know uh, some rock going on then and uh some uh, uh, we'd have Broadway out at Delta State, and uh, I, I was uh, going to churches and play, even playing for you know all the different churches in town with different things. So uh, beautiful uh, hymns and spirituals, and uh, and then we also in my own house, my, both my parents loved music. Uh, they weren't professionals, but uh, my dad had just this amazing uh, record collection 
uh, jazz and classical, and he was playing this all the time for us as kids. And uh, my mom played the piano, and uh, my brother, who's you know, is a wonderful painter, but also could play the guitar and the piano. Uh, was playing music and also playing records. I, I remember, uh, you know, in the sixties, hearing uh, everybody, you know, that uh, hear the Beatles and Rolling Stones and Simon and Garfunkel, and uh, it, it, it was just great. You know, it's kind of like a, a this fantastic uh, array of sound that was coming in. So that was just a, a part of my existence. I never knew life without it. And so when I was three, I think, I was already, I had this uh, tiny little kid's record player, and I, the, the record itself was little, and I'd play over and over Victor Herbert's Babes in Toyland, which just I loved, you know, something I could put on myself. And then uh, pretty soon, I, you know, I'd toddle over to the piano and start picking out things. I'd hear my mom my brother playing. I'm not saying I was playing great or anything, but they were... You know, showing me stuff, and my mother started giving me some lessons about scales and how to, you know, get around the piano. And she showed me. I remember very clearly showing. Okay, this is a boogie bass, and I couldn't quite reach everything. So she said, "Okay, you can do it this way." And it, it, it would be, uh, uh, you know, just a. I had an affinity, I think, for that instrument, the piano, and so uh, I just the, my physical touching of it uh, got me. Uh, feeling like, okay, this is something, if I work really hard, maybe I can try to bring this out or I can bring that out. And then that led to, you know, more more playing and competitions and uh, people seemed to like what I was doing. So that, that inspired me a little bit more. And, you know, one thing led to another. <laughs> well, how old were you when, when you, so you're talking about the, the, the time that you had the record and you'd put it on and you'd listen. I was so, three then and then I was three. You know, already going. By four, I was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, going. I was trying to play, and then five. You know, it was a little better, and then. But a, a real turning point for me, uh, an early turning point, was when I was nine years old. I remember I'd won a competition. Now, now I was playing in Jackson, and it, this I had worked very hard to be able to play a particular piece. It wasn't the technique of it that was the issue. I was trying to get the feeling, the emotion of it. It's really this deep, beautiful piece. And th- this is something that I knew w- when I was playing it. I knew that this, this piece had something inside it. And the issue was for me: could I get it out? Could I get uh, get it out of the uh, keyboard and my fingers and the box to play what I felt was in my heart and soul and already wow. and what was already in this music? And to somehow, uh, anyway, when I played the uh, whatever, if you when you have to play with all the other kids who done well and. So when we did the concert, I remember uh, afterwards, adults coming up and, and they had this look on their face and they were saying to my parents, this is, just, you know, how moved they were and this was unusual. And then I felt like, okay, okay, so I, I did something. I got, I, something came through to those people. And that's what I felt at that moment, this, this is something, this is magic. And, and it's not just the muscles and fingers and, and, right. and all the, the, it's something else beyond, you have to do all that. You have to have the technique. You have to, uh, you know, physically uh, put in so many hours, but there's something else. And if, uh, so if somehow I could meet that uh, spiritual level, I, I could communicate wow. something, uh, you know, and that this made, that, uh, and I, there was no other way I could, 
communicate all those things, and you know, I couldn't say those things, but I could play them. Exactly. We're talking to Bruce Levingston, uh, just so talented, one of Mississippi's uh, just gems. I mean, I, I mean that, a treasure. When you play Carnegie Hall all the times, all around the world, do you feel like you're a little different from everybody else because of your background? You know, I, I think everybody's got some, particularly playing at a certain level, got some unique voice. And uh, you, you can't hear a great performer that doesn't have that, the voice that is their own. And I feel like, uh, for me, uh, these, my, my background, which is, is different. I mean, it's a unique place where we grew up. Uh, I, I think it has had an impact on uh, how I play and think about uh, music for sure that makes it at least different. I don't say that it's uh, better than, or but it is that background has definitely stamped itself on my sense of sound. I think, for instance, uh, one thing that I will do, I, I can play uh, it, lots of different kinds of music and uh, whatever, but one thing that uh, I am not afraid of is to play something slowly to let the notes right. uh, speak out and speak for themselves and, uh, and let harmonies bleed one into another. And, you know, there's a, a kind of speed in today's life, and I can hear performers, you know, there's a, like a metronome going in the background. And for me, I think my background, the way we speak a little slower, the way uh, we, the time that is, sense of time is a little different where we grew up. Right, and so that kind of affects even how I'm phrasing something. I might, you know, my my playing may have a drawl. Right, <laughs> have that little southern drawl. Love. We're talking to Bruce Levingston. We are in a Mississippi minute. We're gonna be right back. Hey folks, in the market for new pillows, I'd like to tell you about who I believe strongly is the best pillow manufacturer made right here in the USA, my friends at Beds by Design and their amazing Omni Pillow. The Omni Pillow is made with a copper infused fabric and they use high quality fabric. The copper has been known to be antifungal, antibacterial, and good for the skin. The Omni Flow is the foam in the inside designed by their veteran team. The Omni Flow is a one-of-a-kind product that is unlike any other material. It is a patent material that adjusts as the weight is applied. They combine that with responsive temperature control that regulates your body temperature as you sleep. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy. And listen to this. They'll donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal? To give away 1 million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to OmniPillow.com. That's OmniPillow.com. Enter promo code Steve Azar and receive 20% off with free shipping. You won't regret it. Thanks, guys.
In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. We are with the fabulous Bruce Levingston. He is in Oxford right now, spends time in New York a lot, uh, spends time all over the place. Bruce, uh, I want you to take me, let's get past, uh, well, well, I, I want to ask you about competitions first, because I didn't like, like, in my world, it was like talent shows, and, and you and I both grew up playing in church. We both grew yes. up playing everywhere we could play, but so competition-wise, what was that like? You, you know, I, I think that when you're young, you have to do some of it, uh, because I think, in particular in classical music, uh, that can propel you to learn certain repertoire that you may not be getting it ready for because the competition may have a list of things or you should learn uh, this piece of Beethoven, this piece of Chopin, this piece of Mozart. And th- there's a level of it that can be healthy, but in the end, uh, I think many of the greatest artists have found that ultimately, while you know winning some prizes can be good, it's... It is uh, not what ultimately makes you an artist. I think you have to go beyond just winning something uh, and, and say, you know, uh, playing mm-hmm. uh, Bach uh, at, at its deepest level is not winning a gold star. Right. It's, because there's, it's never, it, you, you can never be uh, uh, satisfied. There's, there's always something else, like, like in reading, uh, you know, I don't know, Shakespeare or... or uh, uh, there's, I mean, there's always something beneath it. You go, oh, there's, there's something else I didn't see, I, I didn't right. uh, realize was there. And uh, so I, I think it's a step. It's uh, The interesting thing is, too, uh, you often find great performers who they, they may, uh, some, sometimes the most important voices uh, were not always winning first place because uh, if you play with an extremely uh, strong personality, sometimes... You know, it really can turn some people off, but it can turn, you know, reach other people in the deepest way. And I, I, sometimes then they, uh, people are arriving at kind of uh, somebody who is the least defensive, and that doesn't really make for a, a great voice. Right. So it's mixed emotions about those things. I think the important thing is, uh, you know, get to try to uh, be as prepared as you can and learn as much as you can, but then ultimately you have to break out and do your own thing. Uh, we're talking to Bruce Levingston. Bruce, I got a question. It may take me a second to get it out, so let me see if I can say this because uh, I, I think you brought up an interesting point. Just watching you play and and listening to your records, there's something sometimes when I feel like there's so much put into the simplest thing you do, and then you do that thing, and I'm like, how'd you do that? But there's so much there. You know what I mean? Like, where you're not say I sent you a I sent you a track of I think of. Summerland, uh, the great William Grant Still, right. Mississippi composer. He was born in 1895. And you, you, uh, you wrote me back talking about the patience with the phrase. And, and the phrases are actually very simple. It's not uh, as many notes as sometimes in certain parts of that piece as you would find uh, in you know, late Beethoven or, or, or something like that, Chopin etude. But it's so incredibly intense and expressive it's, uh, in fact, uh, as difficult or more. It's the same thing with the opening of a Bach uh, fugue. It's just one one hand, one finger at a time, playing one note. It can be the most exposed, difficult thing because 
there's nothing to hide behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just exactly. you and your <laughs> your yeah. heart and soul, and that's it. And so it, it is very, very difficult to uh, you know the uh, saying that uh, evidently Schnabel, great pianist, uh, said uh, Mozart is. Uh, too easy for children and too difficult for adults. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Hey, okay, so uh, do you get frustrated at times? Like, do you it's throw like, your I piano? Mean, uh, you know what I mean? Like a tennis player throws his racket. You yeah, know. yeah. Um, <laughs> there, are days, there are days you feel, uh, it's, it's for instance, it's not necessarily just, again, hitting, about hitting the notes. That, that's, that, I think, uh, can be accomplished, but sometimes... If I'm trying to just hit a note just uh, just so softly, and you can't get just the exact, it, it's this much too loud or this much too soft. And those nuances, those are things I remember. That, I mean, it's happened for many pieces, but I might spend, you know, uh, 50 hours uh, just playing over the course I'm preparing uh, something, just two different notes, maybe the very first note, the very last note, those are so important. I mean, you can spend uh, years preparing a piece, but the opening or just how you close a piece mm-hmm. is the last thing that somebody hears. And so uh, those moments of not getting exactly what the balance or tone, I, I'm, yeah, I mean, it's, we, we say, I think you know this very well, you say no to yourself much more than yes. Right. I think if you're saying yes to yourself, something's wrong. I think right. it's it's almost always no. That's not enough. No, it's it, it's it, it could be better. No, this is, and that's very hard to live with. I mean, you have to reject more of what you do than accept. Right. But no. this is what makes it. This is what drives you to do something. When it, when it does work, when you do get that you know special thing, uh, it it's it's magic. Oh, I love it. We're talking to Bruce Levingston. He is magic, uh, Bruce. Your university, your college, your studies—you're—you're uh, you're getting out. Of, you're grown up. You're 18 years old, and you got to make yeah. your next move to, to continue your development uh, as as this child prodigy versus going to compete with well, not compete. Forget that. That's over. Just but just getting in where you got to go to to get better and to keep growing as an artist. Where 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 did that happen? So, for in the music business, what you try to do at least classical music. You try to go where the coaches are, just like with football or baseball, the, the mm-hmm. people are auditioning for the best coaches. So uh, there were some great people in different parts of the country that I was thinking about. There had been though, uh, uh, a great pianist who had been at Oberlin and then went to uh, Texas, and I'd followed him. Uh, somebody who said he was a great pianist that I went to work with, uh, even in high school, I went off uh, to uh, Switzerland and did, uh, off to a school in Georgia so I could be near these Hungarian pianists. And then this uh, one of them knew uh, another great pianist who's been at the University of Texas. So I went to audition for him, and the school took me and offered me some great things. Uh, it's still, you know, it's a wonderful uh, place in Austin, Texas. And uh, so I was able to study. Uh, not only with that piece, but other people who were wonderful. They had built this great department. And then from there, there was another pianist I was trying to study with uh, who was at the Royal Conservatory in Toronto. Uh, he took me, so I went up there. And then I played a concert, and John Steinway, uh, who you know, had the Steinway Company, 
heard me and he said, really need to come to New York. And so we'll make a Steinway artist. Well, oh, no, no, I have a Steinway. Well, well, we'll fix that. So <laughs> that led to something else. And I ended up in New York and stayed with some more wonderful people. And uh, I was... Did the guy, you did know, he make you a Steinway, your own Steinway? He, he made, no, but he, they made sure that I had a Steinway to play at I all love times. It. Love and that. And so that was great. And I was very young. And uh, even before I owned the Steinway, the name of Steinway Artistry. Don't you love the free stuff, Bruce? Don't you love it? Like it's like I'm looking hey, guitars. I just love it, like toys. You, you, you know, know uh, <laughs> these. But there's a history too of all of these. That's such a great art to make uh, instruments. You're you right. know, you know this very well from all the guitars. And it to, to be able to, you know, have one of the greatest instruments in the world to play. It, it also inspires you. And to think all of the great people who came before you to who also play these instruments. So it's. You know, each bit would inspire me and push me a little bit more. And um, so, anyway, that that was a bit of it. And then when I, I, I think you remember these places where they were actually uh, renting VCRs that I'd given. A friend was working when they asked if I had a tape uh, of me playing, and that's when we had <laughs> yeah. tapes. And I'd yeah. played at Aspen at the music festival, and I'd given them a tape. And somebody walked into the video store. They had it playing. They said, who is that? This is somebody who was at one of the big radio stations in New York. So they uh, could we broadcast that? So they broadcast it, and that got a little bit more attention. But things like that that you just can't plan. That uh, are, are, Again, it's, it's just part of the uh, uh, fortune and uh, swirl of life that uh, can happen. But is- I think you have to hopefully be you know, allow it to happen. I love that we're talking to Bruce Levingston. Bruce, you get to play DJ right now, and this will be one of the times that we don't play your music uh, during the set because you know that we are the birthplace of American music. I love this part. Yeah. Uh, you get to choose between a couple artists. Uh, would you like to hear, we'll keep it in the Delta, would you like to hear a little Charlie Pride or uh, the North Mississippi All-Stars? Whoa, this is just very tough, but I love them both. I know that. Well, you Can can't you can't have both. No, 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 no. I can't do it. I just got. I always have okay, to make. Okay, what are my choices of the pieces? Oh, you don't. We well, we'll let we'll let my producer Will. Hello, Will. We'll let him figure out what he wants to play. But you you just got to tell me the act. <laughs> play, 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 play some Charlie Pride. I love it. I love Charlie. We're with Bruce Levingston, incredible colorist, Arthur. Now we're going to get into pianist, uh, and I want to talk about Carnegie Hall and what that feels like. For I'm sure. Steve Azar. We're in a Mississippi minute. Stand by. As I think about my childhood And of my old hometown I don't really miss them like before It's nice to think about it Maybe even visit But I wonder could I live there In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. We are with our very own Bruce Levingston. And uh, I appreciate you taking uh, the all 60 minutes. You know, Mississippi Minute is actually 60 of them, but we just sort of don't tell everybody that because we like to take our sweet time. As my song says, and that's how we roll. Bruce, 
uh, I want to know what it felt like the first time you stepped on uh, the stage of Carnegie Hall. I remember my times at Madison Square Garden and the and the and the Forum and the Spectrum and Boston Garden and the Rose. I mean, those were moments. You know, the Opry for me, yeah. the Opry, or the even better yet. Uh, the you know the church of it all the uh ramen auditorium what did it right. feel like when you walked out your first time you're thinking of all the great people who come before you <laughs> i mean yeah trying to get all tchaikovsky <laughs> opened the hall and <laughs> okay. uh rock played there and vladimir horowitz played there and leonard bernstein conducted there uh Mahler conducted there so it, it for me uh, but also i mean uh, Liza Minnelli sang there, and Frank Sinatra, and uh, you know Denny Goodman's uh, concert at Carnegie Hall. All those people flood into your mind, and, and also you can there you can see their photographs and their signatures, and uh, so it, it's uh, totally inspiring. And you mm-hmm. just you know that hey, I, I, I want to give my best. People often say, "Are you nervous?" And it's not nervousness that one feels; it's it's the a kind of uh, anticipation. Mm-hmm. Can I? W- will I meet the moment? Will I do justice to this music? Do justice to this place? And it, it for me, it it makes me, you know, try to be on my tiptoes. Let me let me give. Let me be ready. Let me work as hard as I can be. So that's what I, I felt like. This rush, of, in, in a in a great way. Right. I love it. I love that. That's the feeling. I I got to understand. How many hours of practice did it take? To, I mean, well, no, how many a day did you do? It's not just the hours that you're at the piano, but I would say, to answer that, uh, it tends to be about four hours a day. Sometimes, if I'm getting ready for a big performance, it's six. Yeah, that's uh, a lot. And that's a lot. And But to do four every day, no matter what, is also, because physically, you know, that's demanding. Piano's a demanding instrument. Uh, you're, you have to sit there and, and, and for your back, for your legs. Uh, uh, it's not just the hands, it's your whole body. Uh, and then also, you know, to build the mental concentration so you're crisp and, and really getting something out of it. If, if you're sleepy or you're, you're not engaged, you're not going to... Your body and, and your memory won't uh, absorb what you've done. It's as if you just right. hadn't practiced, so you've got to be... But there's something else. I mean... Uh, when I'm away from the instrument, that's also I'm learning, going through scores, looking at things, reading about the history of pieces, and all those things are also part of the practice. They're part mm-hmm. of the things that reinforce w- what makes the music stick for me and what gives me some kind of point of departure when I'm trying to interpret something. So if, I, if, you, if you play and you don't have any sense of uh, the era or the time, you think you're you're kind of... Uh, missing a piece of the puzzle, and but to somehow when I play Chopin, I I, I know the paintings uh, that he was surrounded by. I know the people he was talking to. I've read the letters. And it gives me a sense of, of what his personality was like. And so when I play something, yeah, I have a sense of this person. You know, the composer is not sort of a marble bust to me. He's a real person, a human right. being. And I and same thing if you're playing Schubert or playing in. You know, it, also, I think when we hear, like when I hear you sing, I can feel where you are, where you are in your life. It, 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 even when I go to different records of different times, you can really feel what somebody's yeah. like. It comes through. Oh, and there's there's no doubt. Like. There's no doubt about yeah. that. 
I love that. We're talking to Bruce Levingston. Bruce, I want to jump a little bit because you're so involved, and I, and I love that. Uh, I want to talk about the workspace uh, solutions for New York, the performing arts communities. Let's start there. I, I think of though art not just as music, but also you know, painting and writing and uh, right. sculpture. And even as I walk out and see a building, I'm uh, thinking of the way a, a, a corner of the building cuts into the sky. That's music for me, the rhythm of a building, the rhythm you know, a staircase. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I read this book on uh, Mrs. Hull, the great Mississippi painter. And it, I didn't realize when I started it, I, I, uh, I knew her work as a little boy, but I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about her life. Or She was a pianist, and she always described herself as uh, a lyrical romantic. And I love that she picked a kind of musical term to describe herself, and in fact, what I was seeing when I was looking at her work was the music of the paint, and the music wow. of her style, yeah, and so I, but I also, when I hear music, I hear in color, I very much think mm. of harmonies as colors, and so it just translates into how I see, uh, why wouldn't when I look at something uh, uh, like, a, like a great painting, it translates to me like, like music, it's just, I, I love it does. That. So you're talking about this. So tell me about Brightfields, the the mastery of Marie Hall. This is a, a new uh, book, correct? Uh, yeah, it came out. I, I came out, I think, in 2015. Oh, okay. And, so uh, okay, okay, okay. It, it, it took a few years to write, and I, uh, I had it's just a little boy because Mrs. Hall, is uh, Maria Atkinson Hall, uh, who lived in Bellhaven, uh, and she's from Summit, Mississippi, and she was born in 1890. And she uh, clearly was, was a virtuoso painter. And but in those days, you know, there were very few uh, female artists that were, uh, you know, considered uh, masters or could that even have the potential in the minds of the, the sort of academy of male artists to go out and paint. But she knew she could do this, so she got a degree actually in music, and she taught. Uh, but then, in order to get enough money, and, and then she went to New York and uh, Philadelphia to the Academy of Art there, and then to Europe to study. And she studied with some of the greatest people in the world. And she came back uh, to Jackson. She married a wonderful architect who also uh, left great works uh, throughout our state. And she went on to paint some of the most amazing works that not only of uh, scenes of Mississippi, but uh, figures like uh, she painted a sharecropper series uh, in the 30s, very moving and powerful of people, uh, black and white. That she didn't paint them, uh, you know, in, in the fields, but she painted them as, as portraits, as mm-hmm. human beings. And you saw the way she depicted their faces, uh, the, the hardness, but also the humanity of their lives. Wow. And so she treated everybody equally, and this is a remarkable thing. So she had painted a man born into slavery, from, born in 1847. She painted him in the 30s, and she gave the painting his full name, which was John Wesley Washington, but she titled it An American Citizen. Wow. This is a remarkable, a quiet but powerful statement. But this, this is somebody who is a citizen now, and he's not been born a citizen, you know, so it's... She was, uh, I think, an important voice, good friend of Eudora Welty's, uh, even taught uh, Eudora Welty painting. 
so it, it's part of our fantastic rich culture here. And the painting itself, uh, her work really is uh, I, remarkable. And uh, if you didn't know anything about her or didn't know her background or what all these things, you, you would still stand back and, my goodness, this, this is an important American artist. And many people since, uh, I think, the book has come out uh, have seen that, and she's now in many museums around the country. All right, we got to talk about civil rights because I know you, we, you've you've touched on that now. You got to talk about your performances, uh, conducting master classes now in, in all these public schools. I feel that uh, education is so important uh, for everyone uh, that uh, I've played in many uh, schools around uh, the country, and uh, but I try as often as possible to play uh, for young people here in our state. And, you know, I meet them and talk to them, and I find that uh, they're, they're so smart and so talented. And just like everybody, when they're young, they're just waiting for opportunity. And so those of us who uh, are lucky enough to, you know, have uh, careers and be able to do something, I think it's part of our responsibility to reach out and try to uh, guide people, inspire them, and help them as much as we can. And sometimes it's not that they're hearing, that they go, oh, I want to go be a pianist or I want to be a musician. It's not that. It's just they can say, oh, that guy, he wanted to do that, and he went and did it. I, maybe, I, I remember I was playing in Charleston. Uh, a young lady came up to me. Uh, this is where Morgan Freeman uh, you know, was uh, from, and uh, he had requested I was playing something in the public schools there. So I played for, I think, 1,300 kids. And I mean, this young lady came up. Uh, she was in eighth grade. She was African-American. So oh, a lot of kids had come up to say they were going to, oh, they wanted to be musicians. This, that. She came up. I said, oh, what, what do you want to do? Do you, do you want to do you play the piano? She said, no. I said, well, what do you want? She said, oh, I'm, I'm going to be a lawyer. <laughs> and she said this with such a, a sense of confidence. It was just totally inspiring. And yeah that she she knew that she could do this and she uh, no doubt uh, will and that that's the kind of confidence you want to instill in people is right. that I can go do this and I think you and I grew up with you know families that said you can go do that talking to Bruce Levingston we are in a Mississippi minute we're going to be right back In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. We are with the fabulous Bruce Levingston. The thrill of watching a kid want to succeed and want to get better and listen to advice. And they're always teaching you. You know, I'm always an open book to learn because I'm constantly hoping I am learning. You can learn from youth as much as they can learn from us. And uh, it's just so exciting when you do the artist in resident thing. Now, you're doing the artist in resident thing at Ole Miss now, aren't you? Yeah, I have. I'm the chancellor's artist in residence at the Honors College, and then they were kind enough to give me an endowed chair. That's so so cool. It's kind of two roles, and that's been uh, great to have. And uh, I teach... uh, uh, class in the Honors College on Art and the Republic, which is essentially about how 
art is inspired by things that you know, happen in society, but also then in turn, art can inspire. Uh, you know, it's one of the great things about music. It, it, it can rise above politics, above partisanship, and just reach and speak to people. And so we discuss ways that these kinds of things happen, not just with music, but other forms of art. And I think that can inspire uh, the kids. But the other thing that I try to teach is that it it doesn't matter your point of view. It, if you can argue your point of view with respect uh, and kindness... Uh, so, it, so important hear, right now, what you're saying right now. Yes, and also hear another point of view with respect and kindness. Uh, that it, it goes both ways, and right. that it's so important. So in art... There's always a different interpretation. There's no single interpretation. And so we talk, as we talk about those pieces, maybe a painting or a piece of music, everybody's got a different opinion. But what I try to emphasize is really, can you express your opinion or hear somebody else's with an open ear and an open mind? And it doesn't mean you necessarily have to change your opinion or mind. You, you might, but if you, even if you don't, by showing openness to somebody else, it, it allows for... for their spirit to have room to breathe, to, to feel that they have validity. Mm-hmm. And, and it's remarkable what you see it, it, over the course of a semester. I, I watch the students grow and learn how to talk to one another. They're, they're already wonderful kids and to start with, so this is, uh, you know, one's blessed with that. But right. uh, I, I think this, this spirit uh, that we share as uh, performers and artists, that we're always, uh, you know, we don't think in terms of uh, when we, hear another musician, or what color is their skin, or where are they from. You're really just listening to the, the core of their soul. You know, if we could listen to the core of people's souls as we talk to each other about all these things going on, you know, even now in our society, I think it, this, uh, this would allow us uh, you know, to hopefully find common ground and, and just be civil and kind to one another. Right. I think it's just a, such a privilege uh, to be able to live in this world that we do uh, uh, creativity and, and it's so great also to live doing something that's positive that, oh, uh, you know right, uh, right. Uh, and and can uh, it, you know life is difficult for everybody they're, they're, but uh, if we can reach out and, and find the positive things and uh, doing something that makes people happy that, that is beautiful like making music it's really it's a privilege and so you know every day I wake up and I'm inspired to do it I love it uh so what what do we work? When's their next record coming out? So uh, on uh, January, I think twenty sixth, uh, I have a new album coming out. I've just made uh, Call Citizen. Uh, it mm. with uh, some pieces uh, strongly connected to Mississippi. I'm very excited about the the beautiful uh, Summerland by William Grant Still is on there, uh, and I just played that at Carnegie Hall this spring. Uh, a wow. piece by Price Walden a young composer from Mississippi, also premiered his piece that I commissioned uh, in honor of the opening of the new uh, Civil Rights Museum and Museum of Mississippi History uh, that uh, was just opened, which if if anyone has not seen it, you should go to Jackson and see it. These these museums are so beautiful and inspiring and Mm -hmm. beautifully done, and I'm just so proud they're here in our state. Anyway, I I, I commissioned uh, Price to write these pieces, and he's just one of the, you know, I've played composers around the world. He's a, a, a great composer already, and he's in his mid-20s, 
And so uh, I gave it its premiere, and now it's going to be on uh, the new CD. So I'm very excited about that. Oh, I love it. And so January 20 what, do you say? You got the release date? It'll be January 26th. Uh, and uh, that's I'm actually going to be in London playing uh, that night at the Royal Opera House, uh, and one of the pieces uh, on the album is going to be on that concert. So uh, just an exciting time uh, coming up in 2019. Oh, I love it. Well, listen, hey, buddy, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. I love having uh, uh, people that I get to know a little, um, you know, that I've gotten to know, that I've grown up with, people like my dad's, uh, you know, whatever. And on this show, I get to know uh, everybody so much better, and uh, and I've gotten the the same thrill. And, um, and thank you, with thank you, you Steve. You're you're such a great artist, and and so generous to share your work with Mississippi and the nation. Uh, just uh, uh, inspired by you, and uh, thank you for having me on. We've been with the great Bruce Levingston, and uh, we're gonna uh, send it off. And uh, you guys have a great weekend. Uh, we've been in a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. Hey, I'm Billy Kinder, host of Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. You can hear the show Saturday afternoons, 1 until 3, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Gary Klein and Kelly Jordan are our pros from the Bassmaster Elite Series. Mr. Whitetail Larry Wysoon takes care of all of our big game needs. Plus, Tom Dockin and Ronnie Smith will help you build a better bird dog. Not to mention the fact that we just have a whole heck of a lot of fun with a lot of great guests. I hope you'll be a regular. Hey, we'll see you in the camp house this Saturday at 1 on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.